All right, so we've been giving you guys step-by-step instructions on how to wreck your life, which I know everybody wanted. And this morning we're going to talk about how to wreck your life by becoming a miserable person. Um, So if you are really happy, your life tends to be full of joy, and you wanted to know how to become miserable, we are going to help you out this morning. We're going to teach you how to become a miserable person. We, uh, we've talked about a lot the fact that God wants us to be joyful, that he provides full joy forever. And, and sometimes we don't experience that. And, and a lot of times we don't understand why we don't experience that. And, and this morning we may be uncovering a lot of the reason that we don't experience full joy. Bitterness is the reason. Bitterness is unhealed hurt hidden in the heart. Bitterness is unhealed hurt hidden in the heart. And some of you are like, already you're going, ugh, a sermon on bitterness, really. I knew I should have slept in this morning. Well, this might be the sermon for you if that's your reaction. Um, Bitterness will cause you to be kind of cynical and see the, the negative in everything, and it will cause you to you know, be complaining a lot, and you'll feel like everything is, everything's horrible all the time. And, um, and the fact is that many, if not most of us, struggle with bitterness. And, and the fact is that we've all been hurt in our past. Everyone has. Um, we've, all, we've all got people in our lives who've let us down. And when that hurt goes unhealed, it creates bitterness. Uh, So, step number one to wreck your life with bitterness and become a miserable person is do not see bitterness as a dangerous sin that can wreck your life. Um, In fact, ignore it and learn to live with it. Think of it as no big deal. Learn how to manage your bitterness and, and actually just check out for the rest of the sermon. And that will be step one to wrecking your life with bitterness. The facts are, though, that bitterness is very dangerous. Of all the emotions that a human being can experience, bitterness is the one that I fear the most. And the Bible has a lot of big warnings about bitterness. But bitterness is like a cancer within the soul. And it spreads, it grows if left unchecked, and it it will actually kill your soul. It will kill you emotionally and spiritually if you do not remove bitterness. And so it is actually um, a very, very dangerous emotion. It will not be satisfied only to destroy you. What we'll find is that it will, it will go on and, and try and destroy the lives of the people that are around you. It will affect your children. It will affect your family. It will affect your friends. It will affect every person that your life touches. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. And the word defiled can also be poisoned. Many can be poisoned or defiled by your bitterness. It will not be satisfied by only destroying you. You've heard the old saying, misery loves company. Well, that's why the saying exists. It's because uh, when you have bitterness that's that's down in you, it it will 
cause a lot of trouble. And it's going to poison the people in your life, all the people around you. And it also says in that verse that a root of bitterness can cause you to fail to obtain the grace of God. Wow, these are huge warnings. And, and we, need to take, we need to take them seriously. If that verse doesn't cause you to see how dangerous this sin is, then, then hear what Jesus says about forgiveness. In Matthew 6, 9 through 15, he's teaching the disciples how to pray. And he says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And some of us haven't heard the next verses after that. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Ouch. I mean, that one stings. Jesus has some hard things to say sometimes. And that's, that's a pretty tough one. You know, it would be easier for me just to ignore that and be like, yeah, I don't really want to read that verse. Uh, but the fact is that he says it. And he didn't just say it once. He said it more than once. Um, what Jesus is saying is that, well, if you don't forgive people their trespasses, your heavenly Father won't forgive you your trespasses. I mean, he's pretty clear there. Um, and so, you know, initially we go, well, that doesn't make any sense with, the, with, with grace. It doesn't make any sense because salvation is not of works. It's, it's by faith. It, it's, this doesn't make sense. Um, and I'm right there with you. It, it, it's hard. This is, this is tough. But I did a good bit of study on this. And, um, and what I believe that this means is that if you absolutely cannot forgive, what Jesus is saying is, then you have not experienced true forgiveness. What he's saying is, if you cannot forgive, if, if you absolutely will not forgive, then in the end, you prove yourself to have never been truly forgiven. And that's a scary thing. That is a really sober warning. So, all right, just let that sink in for just a second. Okay, so have you, also, have you ever noticed that Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who are, or, or, or as we have forgiven our debtors? You know, that's not, that's not a prayer that you want to pray if you aren't a forgiving person. You know, Father, please forgive me in the same way that I'm forgiving the people in my life, right? That's kind of like, Father, please bless my finances to the same measure that I have been generous with what you've given me. You might not want to pray that prayer, you know, um, if you're not generous. <laughs> uh, or, or it's kind of like praying, Father, please be patient with me in the same way that I have been patient with my kids this week. There are some times I don't want to pray that prayer, right? I don't want him to uh, be patient with me in the way that I've been patient with my kids because I haven't been patient with my kids. But Jesus is saying, no, this is how you ought to pray. Like, if you don't forgive people, your father won't forgive you. So, 
Uh, also, another warning is in Ephesians 4, 30 and 31, saying that bitterness grieves the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life. I know you do. You want to see Him moving and, and, and working in your life, and you want to see miracles and, and blessings and things like that. You want the Holy Spirit to be present in your life. Well, bitterness grieves the Holy Spirit. It says, Ephesians 4, 30 and 31, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. I think bitterness is the root that leads to these other things, wrath and anger and clamor and slander. But he's right after saying, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, he says, put away your bitterness. So, so bitterness can grieve the Holy Spirit, literally make the Holy Spirit keep his distance from you. Right? And so we want to see the Holy Spirit at work. We love to see the Holy Spirit at work. Oh, it's, it's so awesome when, when our lives are in step with God's will and, and the Holy Spirit is working and things are just falling into place and doors are being, you know, opened. And, and well, bitterness can cause the Holy Spirit to be grieved. And we, we won't see His power at work through our lives. And so... It's a big deal that we deal with this bitterness. So step two to wrecking your life with bitterness is intentionally remain bitter with the person who hurt you in order to punish them for what they've done. And we do this. Uh, you, you, you might be holding on to bitterness because, well, here's the thing. We, we sin because it feels good in the moment. I mean, that's why we sin. sin. Sin has a season of pleasure. It's very short. But, but it feels good in the moment. Even bitterness. Why? Because, because it, it feels like we're getting some measure of justice for this wrong that was done. Right? So I need to hold on to this bitterness because, well, they deserve my wrath, right? So we hold on to this as a form of punishment for the person that, that's hurt us. You know, you believe that if you were to forgive the person, you would somehow be justifying their actions, or you would somehow be saying that what they did was not a big deal, or... And, you, and so you want to hold them hostage. You, you want to keep them chained up in your heart, bound by your unforgiveness. And you're determined to carry that punishment out for as long as it takes. But, but if after hearing how dangerous bitterness is, if you still want to hold on... To that bitterness in order to punish them, then, then Satan has you deceived. He does. He wants you to hold on to bitterness because of the way that it, that it hinders you, the way that it keeps you from 
having full joy and, and the way that it keeps the Holy Spirit from working through your life. And so pray that their heart would be softened. Some of you have bitterness that you aren't aware of. And so if you're here this morning and you're going, well, this, this sermon isn't for me because I don't have bitterness, just hold on. Because, you know, uh, because you could. The, fact, the facts are that oftentimes we don't know that we have bitterness. We've had for a really long time. And the, a big reason for this is that because we always feel justified in our bitterness. So it, it's, it's very deceptive. It doesn't feel like it's wrong. Because you were, you were wronged. That's not the issue here. You were sinned against. Just hear me say that. This isn't saying that you weren't wronged. You were wronged. You were sinned against. The hurt is real. And Jesus does care about that. That's, this isn't minimizing what was done to you. It's not in any way what, what forgiveness is about. But remember what Hebrews 12:15 called bitterness? It said that it was a root. And a root is something that's beneath the surface. It's something that's unseen, but very real nonetheless, right? So you may have bitterness. You may not be experiencing the full effects of the Holy Spirit through your life, or you may not be able to experience full joy, and this could be the hidden reason. So, realize that because of this, this hidden root of bitterness, you could be um, missing out on full joy. You, this, this could be affecting the people in your life, your family. This could be hindering you from being effective in the kingdom of God. And so, search your heart. Ask God. Ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to reveal that hidden root in you. So, step three to wreck your life with bitterness would be to blame your bitterness on the person who hurt you. And whatever you do, do not take responsibility for your own bitterness. Whatever you do, don't take responsibility for your bitterness. Continue to blame the person who hurt you and you'll be well on your way to wreck your life with bitterness. What I mean is that bitterness isn't someone else's fault. And so this is the hard part for us. We've got to be able to separate the offense that was done against us and our reaction to it. It's, it's like when my son, you know, says, well, I wouldn't have destroyed his Lego Batman Batmobile if he would have shared it with me. And, I, and I'm like, well, yeah, but you can't control their actions. You can only control your response. You know, yeah, he didn't. Sh- yeah, he should have shared the Lego Batmobile, but you shouldn't have tore the thing up because now I got to rebuild it, and it's going to take like three hours, right? Springing up and defiling Minnie. It's poisoning me, and so, you know, I'm having to teach my kids. 
You can't control, yeah, you should have shared, but you can control your response. And, and that's the way bitterness is. Yes, you were wronged. Yes. Yes. This doesn't minimize the sin that was committed against you. It, it doesn't justify, that. it's not saying that that was okay. It's just saying that your responsibility is to forgive. And we're going to get at how we can do that. Where, where can we get the power to forgive something that was done against us? Remember that you will absolutely be let down by people in your life. You will. Because they're, they're humans. I will let you down. Your spouse will let you down. Your parents will let you down. Your kids will let you down. People will absolutely let you down. They will. And so we, ha- we have to realize that's never going to stop. It's never going to go away. People are always going to let us down because we're all sinners. And so what we can do is we can learn how to respond with forgiveness. We can learn how to let, let that go. And even in the worst of offenses, we can let it go. Another aspect to this is, is learning that the only perfect person in your life is Jesus. And so don't place expectations on people that should be placed on Jesus. Only Jesus can give you full satisfaction. Your spouse cannot. Only Jesus can provide for you. Only Jesus can be the perfect friend. Only Jesus is always going to be there for you. Only Jesus is never going to talk behind your back. Only Jesus. And so don't place expectations on other people that should only be on Jesus. And that will guard us from unnecessary pain. Ephesians, remember that Ephesians 4, 30-32 said... Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And then it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And now we're going to get to the, the power that we need. What it is that will help us to take those steps to forgive when it's so hard. The power to forgive comes from first us understanding the depth of our own sin and understanding how fully we have been forgiven in Christ. First knowing my sin is really terrible. It's really horrible. And if you have a root of bitterness, you may not see that right now. That's one of the effects of a root of bitterness is that that may It may be blocking you from being able to see the depth of your own sin. We all have terrible sin that God is constantly forgiving us of. And we we need to see that in order to be able to forgive and extend that. We understand that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, I don't need to punish you 
for your sins because Jesus was punished for you. I don't need to, I don't need to pour out wrath on you because Jesus had all the wrath poured out on him. You don't have to suffer because Jesus already suffered in your place. Step four to wreck your life with bitterness is not believe, do not believe that you are totally and completely forgiven by God. Believe that it's only partial, you know. Believe that he's still kind of mad at you, a little bit frustrated and angry with you, and you will be able to hold a grudge against others. The reality is our Father is not, He is not upset with you. He loves you. He has fully forgiven you. Completely pardoned you. Cleansed you totally. I love the verse in 1 John 1, nine. It says, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he goes beyond forgiveness. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So not only are we forgiven, we're, we're clean. He doesn't, even look, he doesn't look at it and still see the, you know, the, the dirt. It's clean. That you are so fully forgiven. Completely forgiven. Forgiven. It says in Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, by which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Our default position as strugglers is we feel like God is constantly annoyed with us, a little bit disappointed with us, not quite approving of us, and he's not really in love with us as his children. That's, that's our default position, but Paul in Ephesians 1 says, no, 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 no. You were chosen before the foundations of the earth. You were adopted into his family. Because of Christ, you have been forgiven. You have been redeemed through his blood. And not only that, but his grace is lavished on you. Lavished. I love the word lavish. It's like ridiculous amount of grace. Over-the-top grace. More grace than you could possibly ever need or want. It's, it's lavish. Like you're drowning in grace. That is the kind of grace that's been given to you. And so when you see how fully you've been forgiven, oh, how wonderful that forgiveness is, how incredible His mercy is, you begin to love mercy. You begin to get caught up in mercy. See, faith isn't just believing that you're let off the hook. It goes beyond that. Faith is cherishing what Jesus did for you. It's loving what he did for you, that he took your place, that he's pardoned you, that he's lavished grace on you, that you receive mercy every day. It's loving it to the point where 
You want to extend that to others who don't deserve it. Because you didn't deserve it. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. How amazing is our God that, that even when we fail, even when we don't measure up, even when we can't walk in the way that he wants us to walk, he's still lavishing his grace on us. He's still loving us perfectly. He's so patient with us. Isn't he amazing? And when we get wrapped up in that, we find that it's so much easier to let other people go and to forgive. The point is this. God is not disgusted with you. He does not regret saving you. Yes, you fail in different ways. I fail in different ways. And he knew that before he saved us. He knew it was going to happen. And yet he chose to do it anyway. He loves us so much that it's hard to wrap our minds around it. And here's the deal with unforgiveness. This is why it's such a big deal that we learn to forgive. Because unforgiveness is the worst kind of hypocrisy. It's the worst kind of hypocrisy. Because God, every day, is going, Oh, you messed up again. I forgive you. Oh, you blew it again. I love you. I forgive you. Yep, not going to count that against you. Here's more grace. Here's more mercy. I'm not going to give you what you deserve for that rebellion. I love you. I forgive you. Yep, I forgive you again. You know what? You didn't even know that you sinned right there. I forgive you. The blood of Jesus forgives you. Not going to hold that against you. Already forgotten. I forgive you. 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 And then we go, you sinned against me. Judgment. Punishment. Wrath. I want justice. It's the worst kind of hypocrisy. And Jesus told a story to illustrate it. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. He said, it says, Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I still need to forgive him? As many as seven times? Do I need to forgive him seven times in a row? And he says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. In other words, However many times. This doesn't mean that you start, you know, tallying it up. And you go, 78! Boom! (laughs) No, 77 means however many times you're sinned against. Jesus then goes, he explains, he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. Now this was a massive amount of debt. Like 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 billions. You you can't you can't pay this off. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children 
and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which was very little, very little pocket change. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I'll pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. It's the worst kind of hypocrisy to receive The kind of mercy that we have received every day, constantly so patient, and then to turn around and refuse to forgive those who sin against us. So step five to wrecking your life with bitterness is never focus on how much God has forgiven you of. Don't think about how much you need his constant mercy. You need his patience. Don't ever focus on that. And you'll be well on your way to becoming bitter. And if you don't, if you don't forgive, not only will you become bitter, but what happens is you'll, you'll, be, you'll become self-righteous. Because you, you'll become blind to your own offenses against God. You'll forget the grace of God at work in your life. And then what happens is you don't see that you're messed up too. And so you'll start to become self-righteous. And and you'll only see the mistakes that other people make. And then what can happen is a spirit of offense can creep into your life. And you start to feel like everybody's always wronging you. You feel like, you know, why is everybody always giving me the raw deal? How, How come I always get the short end of the stick? What's, what's going on with, you know, it seems like everybody's always stiffing me. Or, or no one's ever thinking about me. And, and so the spirit of offense creeps in. Everything offends you. You've always got someone to complain about. And you don't realize the spirit of offense has crept in. You start to compare people. And, and you start to heap expectations on people that aren't fair. So, if you were hurt in your past by someone, maybe you were hurt in your past by an ex-husband. Well, spirit of offense will cause you to have bitterness towards men, maybe. Or maybe you you were hurt at some point in your past by someone in authority, a teacher or or a pastor, or a parent. 
And so you find that you're always, you feel like you're always being wronged by people in authority. And what's, what's happened is a spirit of offense has crept in. And, and if you follow the trail back, you'll find that someone started the trend. And you need to release them. You need to let them go and forgive them in order to stop. So, as I said before, forgiveness is not minimizing the sin that's been committed against you. You know, you may be dealing with bitterness towards God because of things that have happened to you in your past. And here's what I want you to hear. God hates the sin that was committed against you. He hates it. He, he doesn't just overlook it and, and think it's no big deal. If you were molested or, or beat, or he hates that sin. He hates that sin so much that he sent his own son to die for it. He despises the sin that was committed against you. God isn't saying this means that the sin isn't a big deal. But it's for your good that you forgive. And so I want us to try and push through that pain. And you have to trust God's justice. Give them over to God. It says in Romans 12, 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It's up to God. In the end, he's going to right all wrongs. He's going to deal with it. It isn't our job to to get vengeance. And, And no one was more wrong than Jesus. No one received a worse deal than Jesus because he was innocent. He was innocent. And he was beaten and rejected and spit upon and shamed and murdered. And yet he forgave. Like right there in the middle of it all, he's going, Father, forgive them? It's incredible. It says in the Bible that when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He trusted God, who would eventually right all wrongs, who would eventually bring about justice. So, here's the deal. What do we do? If we we have bitterness, or maybe you think, maybe I have bitterness... I'm not sure. I'm going to need to do a little praying, a little investigating, because I have some of the symptoms, but I'm not sure. Well, here's the deal. It's a root. And so what you don't do to a weed is you don't cut the top off because it will come back, right? And usually it comes back somehow bigger and stronger. What we have to do to get rid of weed is pull the root up. 
And so don't just try and deal with symptoms. Don't just try and deal with the surface issues. We need to go down and dig up the root. We need to pull it all up. And what you might find, I've seen this with some people that I've counseled, is that when you start to go down to get that root, you're going to go, ooh, that's connected to another thing I didn't realize was there. I saw with one person that I was counseling through this, they found this, this they went for the, the root that they thought was there. And as they got to it, they're in prayer, you know, they're, they're dealing with this with the Lord. And they go, whoa, I just realized I have bitterness towards this person for this thing. And so they start to dig it up and, and, and let the person go to God. And then they go, oh, whoa, there's this other thing. And there were like six or seven layers. And when he got to the last root, he was literally laid out on the floor, crying in joy, unable to move, worshiping God, overcome by the Holy Spirit. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. For 30 minutes, he couldn't move. He was so overcome with joy. The Holy Spirit invaded him. The Holy Spirit was so pleased with the fact that he had removed all this bitterness. For all this time, the Holy Spirit had been grieved and he didn't know it. He thought he just had this one little thing. This is not somebody that, you know, you just thought would be bitter. You you didn't even, we didn't, we had no idea it was there. We just started to talk and pray and this came up and it was like, kept going, kept digging up. So as you pull up the root, Ask God, is there something else I haven't seen? The Holy Spirit is good at what he does. He will show you. He's good at what he does. Just ask him. You've got to want him to do it. You've got to get in touch with the pain. And, and, it, and it hurts for a little bit. But you've got to deal with it. You've got to get in touch with the pain in order to release it. And, it. and as you feel your heart, like, clinging on to that person and going, No, do not let them go. Go back to how much you have been forgiven. Remind your heart of the grace that's been given to you through Jesus. Remind yourself of how patient he has been with you. And how he is forgiving you all day, every day of offenses you don't even know you have committed. So so get alone with God. This is the, this is the it's, it's real basic. Get alone with him. Ask him to reveal bitterness to you. And identify who you have bitterness toward, why you have bitterness, and then choose to forgive them from the heart and release them. Release them. Give, give it to God. You may have to, I'm a visual person, you may have to visualize handing them over or the offense handing it over to God and letting go of it. And let go of it. And as you do that, you're going to experience freedom. Chains are going to be busting off of you. And the Holy Spirit's going to be drawing near to you. It's an amazing thing when we bring our lives in line with the kingdom of God. We step further into His purposes for us. We experience more of his presence and more of his joy. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for your word. It's so practical for us. We thank you that all the answers are found in Jesus. In what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. We thank you that um, you don't leave us alone. That you, um, you give us your spirit to walk us through these things. And your spirit is the comforter. God, I pray that you would bring freedom to every one of us in this church, Lord. And I pray for those who might be sitting here this morning and they, they don't yet know you. Maybe, maybe this morning it's dawned on them for the first time. I don't really know Jesus. I, this, is, this doesn't make sense to me. I pray, God, that you would pursue them, love them. And God, that you would, you would rescue them. God, that you would continue to rescue more people in this valley for your glory, for the fame of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.